Calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Shure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Shure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit Shure.com/motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E.com forward slash M-O-T-I-V. Welcome to Define You Radio. Class is in session with your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Are you ready to unapologetically build your confidence, achieve goals, and design a life worth living? Learn the life lessons and strategies to define your life, money, and business. Pins and papers ready. Class is now in session. Yes, hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to another great episode of Define Your Radio. Classes in session. Um, I am your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's session is with one of the best-selling co-authors of Transition, Ashes Emanating Beauty. Miss Evelyn Donaldson, and I'm hope I hope I'm saying it correctly. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she is going to share her story and tell us how she overcame at, uh, barriers and adversity and all of these things is to transition. You guys notice how I use the the title of the book in in the title, and you know it's you know I like to make things flow and come back around and everything else. So I'm I'm really excited, especially because this is the first time we've ever talked. Yes. Miss Evelyn. Yeah. That's so crazy to be like to have a to share a a, a title and we've never spoken, you know, besides our little inbox action that we have going on as the co-authors, but we've never spoken. So I'm excited to, you know, hear your voice and see see what you bring to Define You Radio today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it, it's all love. It's all love. So, Evelyn, why don't you go ahead? Well, number one, welcome to the show. I don't even know if I said that. It's Tuesday, guys, you know, I mean, happy Tuesday, Transformation Tuesday, everything up in the air Tuesday. It's kind of crazy. So with that being said, Evelyn, why why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about you? I am Evelyn Donaldson, soon to be (laughs) good love, Um, recently married. So I'm still a newlywed, just got married November the 4th of 2016. I'm a mother of three, two boys and a girl. Well, they're not children. They're grown kids, 23, 22, and 20. And I'm also a grandmother. I mean, grandma. (laughs) (laughs) I am um, a special education teacher slash educator slash mentor, coach, trainer, all of the above. Um, I'm a writer, a, a poet, and a best-selling author. Yay to all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it sounds like it's so many uh, congratulations in order. So congratulations on being a newlywed. Con- Thank you. Congratulations on being a glamma. Uh, <laughs> and congratulations on being a best-selling author. Ooh, thank you. All very interesting <laughs> titles within the last year. I'm yes. guessing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to. Well, number one, 
you have so much action going on. How did you even find time to to write? Like, when do you find time to write? Or how did you find well, time to write? When everyone else is sleeping or out of the house. Mm. Or early in the morning. I get up before everybody. I go to bed I mean, uh, after everybody. So when the house is down about 10, I'm taking care of what I take care of, and I'm in a bed at like 11, and that's when my right. Hmm. Did you yeah. – so transition, this is your first published writing, correct? Yes. Did you find it to be harder, you know, because a lot of people have stories in them and a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people kind of underestimate the process of writing because it's easy to write when you feel like it, but when you're in a thing such as this, it tends to, you know, you have timelines and deadlines and it's no more about when you get time. It's about making those timelines. So did you did you think was it harder than what you thought it would be? No, not meeting the, the deadline because that's what pushes me. So I'm like that at home. I'm like that at work. So if I if somebody gives me a deadline, even at school, I, I'll make up a calendar and I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna do this this day, this week. This has to be done. I make sure it's done. I'll be like, okay, I'm not cooking on this day <laughs> because I have work to do. So it's about the time management, being focused, staying focused, um, being committed, and making a commitment to do what you need to do. And I knew I had a deadline to meet. So when we were get a deadline, I just went on my calendar. I marked the days that I knew I was going to have time to write. And I was actually taking a class. At the same time, I was taking a class. And so I was doing homework and writing on, on certain days. So I knew on this day I, I had to get stuff done for school and then, you know, make time for writing. Like I said, I waited until everybody was asleep because that's the best time to write. When your house is calm, you know, no one is needed anything from you, and you can have that dedicated time to yourself and for yourself. And that that is great um, great advice for people that's trying to write. I know a lot of people that are trying to write, and you know they always say, Valencia, I don't have the time. I don't, you know, a lot of times we could always find excuses, you know. But if it's something you want to do, you'll find a way. I tend to be that person that works better under pressure, so. I, I'm not going to lie, I'm working on that. But I know my writing process is not really a process. It's more of a procedure. <laughs> like, I know it has to be done. Um, and I know, you know, definitely dealing with Precious, who is the compiler of Transition. I don't know what's the correct terminology of that. Um, <laughs> she's a publisher of Transition. She brought us all together for a transition, however you guys want to word it. But I know Precious knows I very much obey deadlines. However, if I know something isn't, you know, with, with writing, especially with a process like um, with an anthology, you do have to meet those deadlines. And I might wait till the day before and I'm banging it out. It'll get there on time, but I work better under pressure. I don't know. I'm, but I'm working on that because that is so not good and stuff. So, uh, congratulations on on that part. Just staying focused and really strategically managing your time. Yeah, and I think that just comes from me knowing that I don't work well under pressure. Like I'm one of those <laughs> types who's always watching the clock at school. If I'm taking a test and I'm watching the clock. You know how my hands are sweating. I start panicking, like, oh, my God, I only have 10 minutes left, you know. So instead of going through that, you know, and I know that's how I get when I'm um, pressed for time. I just I start ahead of time, and I try to finish before the deadline. So I try to, you know, meet those marks so I won't have to go through that pressure and that anxiety. Mm. 
I'm I'm working on that. And you know, you being being a teacher though, I could imagine <clears throat> that you are very structured, and it's you know like a natural, naturally structured thing. You know, and I don't know. Like I could tell people how to be organized, and and I'm very organized and structured and everything else, but like I said, I just happen to work better under pressure. So mm-hmm. being a newlywed <laughs> and, and and you're embarking on something new. How how was that? Because you're still were you know, kind of was still transitioning into wife mode. Mm-hmm. So how well, was how was that? He knew that I wanted to write, you know, when we together, you know, that's what I talked about. I used to send him poems and texts, um, you know, when we saw each other, I used to let him read something that I had on my phone, if I had it with me, and he was like, what are you waiting on? I'm like, it'll come. You know, I've always mm. wanted to write a book. It'll come. You know, and then he read several things that I've written, you know, homework assignments, anything. And it's like, oh, my God, you got talent. You got skills. What are you waiting on? So he knew, but it was just a matter of what I needed to get my foot in the door and what I needed to push me to writing, which was the night I I was up and got the Facebook message, a live video from practice. So I just needed that, that spark in me to motivate me to go ahead and do it. So did you uh, <clears throat> reel him in with your writing <laughs> talents? <laughs> I may need to get your husband on the line. I have questions. <clears throat> Probably on top of me sending him videos of me singing or videos of me reciting some of my poems. Probably. <laughs> mm. So Probably. so you, yeah, you put all the bait on the hook. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm leave that alone, cause, but we, we may have that's to another do another topic, right? I was gonna say that's what we need, may need to do another show, like how to bait the hook. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what it's gonna be called. So, guys, y'all look for that upcoming show, and we'll call it the Housewives of Define You Radio. So, okay, so I have a question. Then we're going to get into your chapter because your your married last name, being that you were married when you went um, into writing transition, why did, did you know, because Donaldson is your maiden name, correct? Uh-huh. So what was that decision? Like, did you think about, okay, should I use my married name, my maiden name, or... Uh-huh. What was that decision? Because you were already married when Transition came out. Well, we talked about it, you know, and I mm. asked him his opinion about everything. How how do you feel about me just putting my maiden name on things, my um, business cards, you know, that when people go on to Facebook, that's what they see. And he, he doesn't have a problem with it. He's like, I know who you are. You're my wife. Right. I know you're not going anywhere. You know, it's just a mm. name. So he, he didn't have a problem with it. So I consult him. You know, it's not like I give him permission and he doesn't get my permission. We talk about it, and I, I made sure that he was okay with me right. just using my maiden name, and he's fine with it. I I love that because that is like a huge, a huge part of being married. A lot of people, even something as simple as that, um, mm-hmm. which somebody else may not have thought about, you know, this is the discussion me and my husband need to have, but that's all part of making a marriage work and, you know, that communication factor, definitely. Um, so I applaud you for that. And that's another lesson, guys. You know, class is always in session. So you should have your pens and papers taking notes on some of the things that have already been dropped. In a relationship, communication is definitely important okay. even whether you think it's little or or not you know um it's definitely just, not little communication is not little mm, at all it's it's everything i we went to uh 
We went shopping for some workout clothes the other day since I'm on this whole workout kick now. And I asked my husband to put my workout clothes in my little workout drawer. I go to my workout drawer. The whole bag is sitting there. Like he literally (laughs) took the bag and put the bag in there, not taking the clothes out and putting the clothes in there. He took the whole bag and I couldn't do anything but laugh because I Yes, I did not communicate in the way he was understanding at that time. And then he was being funny, too. But it's a perfect example of communication. So uh, (laughs) people don't understand what what it is, that other side of being married. Stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. your your chapter in Transition 2 is called what? Broken Chain. Mm. Broken Chain. (laughs) <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and tell us a, Tell the audience a little bit about Your chapter You know what do you want to share with your chapter So Broken Chain And let me just explain This part um, A lot of times when people hear Broken Chain They think I need to lose Something on me I need to lose something in my right. life Um, I need to get rid of something. But my chapter is about change being fixed, things being fixed in your life, things Mm. being fixed in business. And so that's how I explain to people when they're like, well, what's your chapter about? You know, they'll ask me what the book is about, you know, and then they'll say, well, what's your chapter about? And I'll tell them uh, my chapter is Broken Chains, and then I'll explain it like that. Um, But that's important. Because I don't want people to just assume that I'm in this chapter whining about something that I need to, to get rid of or something that needs right. to be loose. I'm, I'm, I'm telling my story about how I was broken into pieces, how some links in my life were mm. broken, um, faulty, and how they were fixed. Not all of them are fixed, and that's the same thing for everyone. We, we all have faulty links. Um, there's right. not one person in this world that's perfect. So I still have, you know, some, some links that need to be fixed, but I'm working on that. I'm, I'm, I'm still walking with God and I'm letting him work on me. But that's, hmm. that's my chapter. It talks about my broken chain and how I, I failed. I, I, I was broken down to the ground. And how I I was lifted back up, I was fixed in so many ways, and how you too can be fixed too. Whatever you're going through, if I made it through this, and you're probably going through the same thing that I I went through, you can do it too. You can be fixed too. So that's what my chapter is about. Okay. So what what things did you have to fix? Specifically, or what things specifically did you address in your chapter? So I addressed two things. Um, one, I, I addressed being depressed, dealing with major depression, not understanding where I was in that depressive mode because you can catch it um, and really fall in deep into a depression so far deep that I gave up on everything. I gave up on the things that I love most, the things that I like doing most. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go to work, but I had to to pay my bills. So it got to the point where I had to force myself out of bed, put on a fake smile when I got to work. Nobody at work knew what was going on. Nobody knew you know, that I was depressed because I was able to do that. You know, before I got out of the car, wipe my tears, crying all the way to work, wipe my tears and put on this fake smile, do a whole eight hours of working with children, family, and staff because I was a trainer, and then get back into the car and cry again until I got home and cry some more at home. So, I knew that I was sad, but not depressed. And it got to the point where I just, I let go. I'm like, I don't want to write anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to talk to people anymore. I don't, I I didn't like me. I didn't like what was going on in my life. 
and I just, I let it go. I let me go. I let life go. I let God go, and I just, I fail. I, I literally mm-hmm. fail. I let, I let my world drop from under my feet, and I should have put that in the book. Mm. <laughs> I let my drop, world right. drop from under my feet. So it talks about depression. It talks about how I was hospitalized. And it talks about why I was hospitalized. Um, so dealing with um, a child with a disability, you know, dealing with, her, you know, her, everything that I had to go through with her, you know, going to work and, you know, carrying that load and then living with someone who was supposed to be my backbone, who was supposed to be the most supportive person in my life during that time. When you're going through some stress, you don't hmm. need anyone else putting stress on you. You need right. that person to lift you up, to take some of that load off of you. But I didn't have that. Instead, I had someone adding on to the stress that I was already dealing with with my child and, you know, the disability, you know, um, going to the hospital, staying up late at night, coming home at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, having to take care of the other two kids getting up to go to work, cooking, cleaning, you know, all of that stuff. So instead of that person helping me, you know, let, maybe let me help you get rid of it. Let me take some of that load. They added on. And they added mm. on with emotional abuse and physical abuse. The manipulation, controlling, if anybody knows about a person who's very manipulating, you don't need your family you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to do that, you know, that means, you know, those people don't like me, so why are you hanging with them, you know, to the mm. point where I was walking on eggshells all the time, all the time, watching the clock, making sure I got home, so I wouldn't hear, you know, his mouth, and that can cause a nervous breakdown in itself, when you mm-hmm. always have to be on pins and needles all the time. When you're constantly hearing nothing, you're not persistent. And when I wanted to write, this person would tell me, you don't have what it takes to be a poet. Nobody wow. can poet. So I stopped writing. But I became depressed with that because I knew I wanted to write. But this person that so-called loves me, I'm listening to them. Yeah, I don't. You know, maybe I don't know. So... Dealing with the emotional pressure, stress, strain, however you want to put it, and then on top of it, emotional and physical. So, what I mean, I don't even know how to explain how I was just broken into pieces and I just I let go. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't hold on to anything else anymore. And I was holding on for a lot. Wow. And all this is in your chapter? Yeah. Are you talking about all, all of this in your chapter? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a question because I was taking notes as you were talking. <laughs> now, you talked about um, depression, your disabled child, emotional, physical abuse, and your hospital trips. But my question would be, did all of those other things lead to the depression or was a depression part of this gumbo of broken chains, so to speak? It all, I would say it all led to depression. Um, the way I explained it Saturday, that was the, for the book signing is depression can come from an emotional ex- exhaustion, emotional exhaustion. When you just, you have too much on you. You're carrying too much stress, stress overload. And it's not just the everyday things of life. You know, if it was just, you know, dealing with my daughter, because that wasn't hard. You know, I knew how to deal with that. It was just the everyday things that I had to deal with. You know, the constant stress on top of the other things, you know, the, the other role that I had to carry of being a mother, being a wife, you know, being a, a teacher, you know, having to put on this fake mask and then on top of 
being emotionally abused. When someone is constantly right. calling you stupid, you know, bitches, hoes, you know, excuse my language, but it's the word. You, you, that breaks you down to the core. It breaks you down to the core. So if I'm already dealing with stress, the stress of the everyday things that I was going through, and then I'm constantly hearing this from somebody that's supposed to love me and I love them, it, it just, it broke me. It broke me. It, it, it was, it, I, I was just exhausted. I was exhausted. It's like you didn't have exactly. a break. Right, exactly. You didn't have a break. It was like 24 hours non, non-stop. 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 Hmm. Non-stop. Non-stop. So. For about a couple of years. A couple of years. With this undercover depression, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I say undercover, <clears throat> and a lot of times we're scared to use that word depressed, depression, because it comes with a lot of stigma with it but you can be and I know Precious uh, uses this term as being um, when we talked about her past of um, you know using drugs and everything and then you'll hear people that are alcoholics use it or whatever they'll say they're functioning you know a functioning drug addict or was or a functioning alcoholic or whatever they're able to function in their dysfunction but people don't realize you can function and be depressed yeah, and nobody will ever it. know. I did it every day. It wasn't calling me. It wasn't no calling me into work. I had to go to work. One because if I stayed in the house, I wasn't going to do anything but cry anyway. But right. then I had to work because that—that's what I did for. When I was a teacher, so I couldn't just stay at home. You know, I I went to work like it was not no problem. And so I did. I functioned so well at work. Well, like I said, no one knew. No one knew. You can't. You couldn't see, you know, the tears in my eyes because I watched them before I went in, inside. You couldn't mm. see that. So I want to. Right. So you don't, you don't tell you. Well, go on in this house. Stay in this house. Right. That's right. Hmm. And then I didn't tell anybody nothing like that anyway. Like, right. girl, what you doing with that man? You stupid. You. I didn't want to hear that. That makes you hmm. look dumb. Mhm. You read my life. We might have to have a private conversation and compare notes. Because <laughs> um, there's so many different things that you've said in the in this short period that I could relate to. You know, especially with the emotional abuse, and I kind of want to touch on that really quick because a lot of people. People understand physical abuse. Like we all have seen the commercials and everything else. And and we have an understanding of bullying, right? We know that kids calling other kids uh, names, that's bullying. But Mm -hmm. when you say emotional abuse and dealing with someone in a, especially in an intimate relationship that is manipulative, people don't take you as serious if you say he punched me in the face. You know that, but if you say, "Girl, he he," you know he calls me names or he does stuff Mm -hmm. like this, and they kind of look at you like it's not as serious, right? Right. And sometimes it's even more serious when it's emotional abuse because if somebody can smack you, smack you around, okay, you can, you know, y'all can argue, and I'm not gonna be with you anymore, whatever. But when someone is constantly breaking your soul down with mm. with hurtful words, with with torture, because I was tortured, with manipulation and control, because it was more about him consoling me, you know, telling me, you know, your skirt is too short. The whole, like, my skirt was up to my knees. I, what am I doing wrong? You know, things like right. that. It's just a constant of, uh, you didn't fix my food right. How dumb can you be? You know, things like that. You know, my food don't taste mm-hmm. good. So I got to be dumb because your food don't taste good? So right. that, the constant, if it, if, it, if it wasn't one thing, it was enough. Something different every day. Something mm. different every day. 
I mean, it wasn't a day that went by where I didn't deal with the manipulation control and the verbal, you know, name calling, just everything, you know, everything. And that it just broke me down to think that somebody that's supposed to love me thinks that way about me. And it wasn't mm-hmm. no, oh, I want a divorce, and you know, because I, I'm church, I'm church going. So, right to God, you know, read your Bible, you know, things go to counseling, you know. I try everything. I try counseling. I try taking it to God. I try taking it to the past. I try reading my Bible, listening to gospel, but. It, it didn't go away. Emotional abuse don't go away like that because it's the other person that has the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's like a whole a whole other show. But I feel <laughs> <laughs> that's like you we we've we've kinda like set up two two other define you radios. But I want to kinda <laughs> I wanna you hit so many parts with that emotional abuse and then it it like it lasts longer than physical abuse. So yes. <laughs> it's it it leaves a residue. It leaves a residue. Mm-hmm. And Scar. I wanna I wanna ask you how long ago did you get out of that situation? When I got out of that it was January of two thousand thirteen. When I got okay. out of that. And it's the reason I'm asking that because I know now you know you're you're married and I'm hoping have a happy, healthy relationship. <clears throat> <laughs> so when when you got into that relationship with your with the hubby, mm-hmm. is that a discussion you you had to have with him? Did you come off and say, "Look, I dealt with all this abuse." just so you know, I'm not for it. You come at me wrong. I might click off. I mean, or maybe that's just a discussion I had with my uh, hubby when we were dating. <laughs> like, look, I, I'm liable to flash out and it won't even be your fault. But uh, did y'all have that discussion early on? So he kind of knew that there was some, some residue. Yes, all of the above. He was actually the first person that I told my, the full, you know, what happened. Not the full story how I wrote it in the manuscript, but just, like, pieces of everything that I went through. And he was just like, wow. I'm like, don't nobody know. Nobody right. knows. It's, you know, this is me and you talking. But at the same time, you know, I warned him. I got some baggage. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, no, I, I, I got some baggage, that type of baggage where I'm scarred right now. Like, right. I, I don't trust anybody, you know, I, I'm scarred, you know. And he was actually the person that helped me through getting through that because I never went to counseling for the emotional and physical abuse. I went to marriage mm-hmm. counseling, you know, for marriage problems, but I never saw a counselor for everything that I went through. Um, and so he helped me through that, talking through it. It was so helpful. I mean, I can't tell you the many of times that something would trigger, you know, something that happened, and he was just like, oh, ooh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, it's not you. And I'm not a liar, and I don't keep things on people, especially somebody I'm, I'm going to be in a relationship with. So I would tell right. him, you know, every time something came up, I was like, well, you know, until I was able to tell it all. But it was so many times where I just would find myself back in that moment, um, mm-hmm. having flashbacks, you know, and talking to him about it. And he would talk me through it. You know, you're beautiful inside and out. You know, you're not a bad person. It was not your fault. And then him being a man. Some of the things that I would tell him, like, babe, you were being manipulated. I know how men work. You know, let me mm. tell you. He would say this because. Let me break the game down to you. Right, right. And I'm just like, oh, my God. So for another man to tell me what that man was doing to me, it was helpful to know that none of that was my fault. None, mm-hmm. of, none of it was my fault. So it helped me in that healing process. 
It really did. And it's and just speaking from one I don't I and no shade on people that use that term domestic violence survivor, but I don't look at me as being that. I'm a I'm a conqueror. I conquered it, put my foot on its neck, I'm done. You know, uh <laughs> it was a, you know, that the residue, the trash can has been cleaned. I'm good. But I say all that to say uh my situation was over I don't know, like I don't even know what what is this, two thousand seventeen. So this was like two thousand two, two thousand three, up in there, where the first time I ever experienced physical abuse. Um, with someone I was dating and it's very traumatic and you put yourself in disbelief. Uh-huh. Now in in the yeah, I mean, it was severe. I had nightmares, I had to pray it off me and everything else because I had nightmares even after I got out of the relationship but right after I went into an unhealthy relationship that was emotionally and financially abusive some of you guys will have to google that term what financial (laughs) abuse is Um, but that's when basically somebody else controls uses money to control you so um and that situation, so it, it's it's crazy because you, it's just, it's so much. So I hadn't cleaned out the residue and I was adding more garbage and more garbage to it. And I knew it wasn't, like, I knew it wasn't my fault. Like one side of your brain says, this is not your fault. This person is crazy. They are insecure. They're this, this, and this. But the other side of you feels trapped. Uh-huh. Exactly. Because you you feel exactly. like, and I'm sure you can relate that if it don't work, because from the outside looking in, the picture is pretty. Uh-huh. And if it don't work, <clears throat> your family, friends, whoever else are going to look at you like it's your failure. Because you're the one that have to deal with them because he's long gone. So that was one of the issues that I dealt with that everybody would look at it like it's my failure because they from the outside looking in, it looked good. So yeah. people wouldn't understand, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, girl. Like I said, that's a whole, that's a whole other other show. There's so many levels to abuse, and when you're depressed, or when when you feel that weight that turned from a, a little weight to you feel like you're carrying cement blocks. Oh my! And you Lord. finally break. <laughs> Uh-huh. Exactly. So by you saying by you saying it, I'm that's I'm guessing that's what happened with you. That was your defining moment, so to speak. You broke. I broke. It was like I couldn't and I put this in the chapter, it's like I had so many pieces of my life that was just out of control. It didn't seem out of control, but they were out of control to the point where I had so much to deal with. I didn't feel like I, I I couldn't control what was going on. Everything just seemed out of control. You know, my child, you know, going to the hospital, the abuse, you know, I had to get up in the morning and go to work. I didn't want to go, but I had to. It just seemed like pieces to the puzzle that I just could not fit back together. And it was just like, you know how a puzzle gets wet and those pieces that's wet, they won't fit anymore? That's mm. how I was feeling like I was trying to put these pieces that were swollen back together and you know I just couldn't do it anymore and I couldn't keep pressing that down and keep forcing these pieces to fit this puzzle and it was just like I just threw the puzzle up in the air and just said forget it right I just can't. <laughs> I'm laughing because I expected another word good job on that one oh. uh, <laughs> Right. But uh I love that that analogy. I love that analogy you used with the with the puzzle pieces because I wasn't sure where you were going with it, but when you said about it getting wet, so I'm picturing it in my head. And when something gets, you know, swole, you could push, you could get a hammer, you could do whatever, but guess what? It's not it's not there it's none. There's nothing. Right. Not gonna say there's nothing. Right. 
So earlier, you also mentioned um, hospital trips. Did that uh-huh. have anything to do with the with the abuse? Can we touch on the hospital trips? What that was about? No, it didn't. It didn't have anything to do with the abuse. Um, I would take trips um, with my daughter um, mm-hmm. who has a mental illness, and a mental illness is just the same as a physical illness. It. No parent wants to know that their child is ill. You know, you have right. this conception of the mind of this perfect baby that you have. You have these great ideas of who your child is going to be, what they're going to become. And when it gets to the point where you know that your child is not what you wanted your child to be and something right. that you just have to deal with and help, it, it hurts. It hurts. And so mm. that was a, a stress you know, overload within itself, just having to deal with that. You know, people say when they find out their child has an illness, they go through the denial period, you know, and it's just like go through um, grieving. You go through grieving. And so during that point of me going through the abuse, I was still grieving about my child having an illness. I was still grieving, you know, even though I had to do certain things, go to the hospital, you know, take care of business there, come home. When I get home, you know, I'm crying about my child. And so right. instead of me being able to grieve about my child, I had to hear, you know, things, you know, the emotional abuse, and, right. you know, get smacked around and things like that. So I couldn't even really grieve for her right. and about what was going on. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Mm. That's too... Uh a couple of cement concrete blocks that I could only uh, imagine. Cause it's like, regardless of whatever mommy is going through, mommy still has to be mommy. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know the statistics of women who, who are going through a silent depression, of course, and you know, going through a depression that are mothers, and and uh-huh. you you still have to mother, you yeah. still have to mother. Uh-huh. So that breaking oh, point, right? That breaking point when you was just like, you know what, I'm done. What did that look like? In the beginning. It, it, I, I I was feeling myself letting go, but I just I kept pushing. You know, I gotta I gotta get up and get my kids ready for work. If I don't do it, who's gonna do it? Who's who's gonna get my kids off to school? You know, who's gonna feed my kids? Who's gonna you know go to the store? Things like that. You know, I will feel like I don't feel like getting out of bed today, but I will push myself because I had kids. I had to take care of them. I didn't want them to suffer because I was suffering. So, you know, they didn't see, you know, mommy cry. They didn't see, you know, the depression, depressive side of me. So I had to keep pushing. But it got to the point where one day I just, like, I, 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 can't, I can't keep pushing for somebody else. I can't keep pushing for something else. I have to let go. Or I, that day, it, I was in a rage. I felt myself just spazzing out but you know no particular reason i'm in the store you know people talking to me and i'm cursing folks out and Mm. you know just everything like those are the signs of an emotional breakdown i know Mm. people have seen it on videos on movies it's real it's real i just posted something a little while ago about maya mia maya campbell and how the guy right. that videotaped her, you know, he's laughing, and I'm like, that, that is real. I, when I first saw the video, I dropped a tear because people don't take that serious. The emotional, that girl had an emotional breakdown. She was walking around town, but she had already had her emotional breakdown. So people were seeing the after effect, the aftermath of her emotional breakdown, you know, she so she didn't go to the hospital like I did. I drove myself to the hospital. I don't remember mm. it. She didn't. But you just knew you hospital. needed to go. I needed to go. I don't even 
remember driving myself to the hospital. But I did. I got in that car and I did. You know, thank God, because who knows what would have happened if I didn't. Hmm. And I know with with her, her 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 stuff has been very public, of course, from her being on uh whatever she, I can't remember the name of the show she was on way in back house. in the day. In That's the what it was. It was okay, yeah. And she was all and I could only imagine, you know, her being as young as she was and, you know, being a star and being very pretty and then all of a sudden it's like this spiral of stuff that happens, you know, and, and breakdowns and, you know, and so her stuff has been very public. I know a video you're talking about, I haven't watched it, um, but it's, it's very interesting that, you know, you use it, you, that you mentioned it and you could see that. Mm-hmm. So when you let when you went to the hospital, go ahead. I was just gonna say real quick. My thing is with that is it's it's all about she's a dope fiend, dope head. She's on drugs. It started way before she started using drugs. Because let me right. tell you, if I had a sniff some cocaine or or taken a pill or or a drink or I probably wouldn't even be here right now. I'm so mm. glad that. God me away from alcohol, weed, drugs, because I probably would be a drug addict. With everything that I had to go through, I, I, I'm I, glad he kept me away from that stuff. So it starts way before somebody becomes a crackhead. So that, right. they're making it, that girl got some deep issues. She got some deep issues that goes way beyond drugs. It's just that she turned to drugs because she didn't know any other way. Mm. And people need so to stop points. pretending and stop acting like they're so perfect and start opening their mouths for themselves and for other people that need help. And that's what my post was about. And that's why we have so much going on in this world because people are so afraid to tell what they're going to do or afraid to help someone else that they know need help. Hmm. Wow. You you hit so many nails on the heads, or whatever the correct grammar would be for that. Since you're a teacher, I don't know if my grammar <laughs> was correct, but that that is uh, <laughs> very true. A lot of times we get so caught up in in our own lives and our own stuff that we don't realize something we've already been through or even if you haven't been through it sometimes a a listening ear because we can't always give the advice we can't always fix it sometimes people just need to unload because they have no one to unload to Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i'm they i'm crossing off stuff it's like so much I think I got like four more shows out of you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, the, why did you choose to write about these parts of your life? Cause normally women are, they just hit like, I don't, I don't want to say women, excuse me, guys, but normally people might hit like one area or that's more, I don't know, accepted, more of those discussions that we have. You know, I think really within the last couple of years, you are seeing where people are having more open discussions about abuse, but it's still a side eye because people that haven't went through it have their own opinions of abuse. So here it is, you're yeah. writing about all of these links in your life. What made you decide, okay, these are the links I'm going to write about. I'm going to write about this stuff. What was what was mm-hmm. that? Why did you decide that? One, because I've had people in my ear for years telling me, girl, you got a story. Hmm. You, you need to write a book. 
And so I'm thinking, no, I'm a poet. <laughs> I write poetry. <laughs> you know, like Craig on Friday. <laughs> he like, right. No, I drink. <laughs> that was me. That would be me all the time. <laughs> like, no, I'm a poet. I write poetry. You want support? The poems, I'll write you a poem. Right. But I had people in my ear for years telling me, um, you need to write a book. And so, of course, it's in the back of my head. But when the video came on the uh, Precious Facebook video, you know, her the point that she made was, I need some women that, that's not afraid to tell their life story, something that happened in their life, a transition that's going to help other people, other women, other people, whoever, that's going to help somebody else. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Everything mm. that I went through. You know, in my marriage, everything that I went through with my child, you know, and how I overcame, you know, those struggles, those barriers. And I'm able to tell people, you can do it. You know, it's so easy for me to, when someone has a problem, I can go to them and say, you know, this is what I need to do, or you should do this, or no, you know, you got to believe, you know, inspiring other people because I've been through that. They didn't know it. But I've been right. through what you're going through now, so I can tell you how to get over that, or I can tell you what you need to do to get help or whatever. And so that, mm-hmm. those stories were already like there; they were there. But I'm like, I'm looking for somebody that's looking for a poet, you know? So right. I'm like, okay, fine. That those were some transition moments in my life. So I might as well, if, I, if I'm going to be helping people and really helping people get over some stuff, then I need to use the story testimonies, trials, tribulations that God gave me, because he gives us those trials for a reason. Right. I've learned this over the years, that he gives us those stories for a reason. If you don't go through your trials, you are not going to have anything to tell. You're not going to mm. have a problem to tell about, or a solution. You can't have a solution if you don't go through the problem. I can't walk around talking to other women about something that I didn't go through. Right. So, he gives us those those trials. He gives those testimonies. That's what I call them, a testimony. That I went through what I went through, and I went through it for a reason. And now I'm going to tell you that you can get through it, too. And this is how I mm. got through it. Mic drop. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> and then when I tell them, all they can do is talk about, like, oh, my God, let me shut up complaining about my little problem. And appreciate, right. you know. So. It's it's <clears throat> when you get over something or things, and I posted this yesterday, like um, something about like ordinary. What's ordinary to us is extraordinary to somebody else. And mm-hmm. I I'm a firm believer that God gives tests to those who can handle it. So you can learn from it and teach it to someone that think they can't. Mm -hmm. And also for you to learn from them and get an understanding, because I will tell anybody before I dealt with abuse, if I knew somebody was being abused, I was, I would tell them all those girl, you stupid. I would do this. I would throw some hot grits. I would poison them. I would do, you know, all the things I would do if I was in that situation. I had a whole plan. Like, ain't nobody that crazy. Really. Like, I wish a man would. Like, no sympathy, no cut. I wouldn't bite my words or nothing until I said, I was put in that situation to humble me and to learn from it. And because it's something when you see a very confident, powerful, which I I am a powerful woman, hashtag amen. It's something amen. when a woman, <laughs> when somebody will look at, at you, Evelyn, with your pretty self and with your strong <laughs> self and know that you dealt with this because people have like their own stereotype, their own stigma of what those situations look like. And for you to say, you know, for me to say, hey, I dealt with it. I'm not what, quote unquote, society expects with my tattooed self. You know, it looked mm-hmm. like I tear it down. But here mm-hmm. it was years ago, I was getting tore up. Woo! Mm-hmm. Girl, the hey. show almost over. <laughs> that's, look, that's a whole I'm about other to start passing the collection plate in the middle. You know, pa- pass the plate, baby. That's a 
That's a whole other show. Okay. Wow, that hour goes by so fast. It does. I still I had questions. Like, oh, we need another hour. <laughs> I know, huh? We, we, you guys, there will be a part two. I promise. So I promise you, because it's so many, so many things that you hit that are individual shows in itself. Because it's things we need to talk about. It's yeah. it's things people need to hear and and listen, and you need to see that strength when you look at Evelyn and and know that what she went through and she wrote about it because everybody doesn't have the courage to talk about what she wrote about. And for that, mm-hmm. you deserve a hashtag. Amen. So with five minutes left on the show, <laughs> Evelyn, Oh my goodness. How can the audience get transitioned? How can they connect with you? How can they find you and let some of your light, Rub off on them. <laughs> My life. <laughs> they can contact me um, by inspirational thumbs at gmail.com or my Facebook page, which is inspirational thumbs for you, or my Gmail, my personal Gmail um, that I check every day comes through my phone, bdonaldson35 at gmail. And, and I will wait and watch out for you. What? My next book. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We we watching and we peeping. We watching and we peeping and and waiting. And uh, Evelyn, make sure that you post your information on the Define You Radio Facebook page because that is the go-to place. Guys, mm-hmm. for information for you know the show recaps, information about guests, and um, also to get in touch with them. And you guys definitely want to connect with with Evelyn because you know, like that cliche saying you hear all the time, "I don't look like what I've been through." Oh, if you look, funny. if you you know, it's it's like it's cliche, but true. And when you when you look look at Evelyn all poised and put together and I can't give her the title Southern Belle 2 because she's not in the South. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but when when you see that look in, in your face it's it's very like people wouldn't expect it I guess. And I guess we have to stop expecting things to look a certain way. So um I, number one, two, and three, appreciate your honesty. You're welcome. And welcome welcome you and your transparency and welcome you to the Define You Radio family. I don't give that title out easily. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it has been a great show. Evelyn, thank you so much for coming on Define You Radio. And like I said, welcome to the family. Congrats on being a newlywed. Congrats on being a glamma. Thank uh, you again. And a best-selling author. Yay. 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 So uh, with that being said, guys, if you enjoyed today's session, make sure you stay connected by subscribing to the show on iTunes and Google Play. Tonight's quote comes from Muhammad Ali. Isn't that interesting? It isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you down. It is the pebble in your shoe. I had to read that quote three times to understand what it meant. But Uh once you read it to yourself a couple of times, it will make sense. Uh You understand? Because we we all have mountains. And it'll be that smallest thing, that smallest thing that you could get rid of. Because a pebble in your shoe is something you can do something about. Uh Mm. Uh And you can climb it. You can climb it. You just have to have the confidence to do so. You have to Mm. have the confidence. That's all I have to say. Evelyn, thank you again. Guys, pens and papers down. Make sure you (laughs) stay up with the show for our next enlightening episode of Define You Radio. Class is officially over. Have a good week. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Class is in session. Connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pins and papers down. Class is over. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Doing business like a CEO while saving like a CFO. Staples has all the supplies you need to run your business like a boss at prices that'll make your bookkeeper smile. Now that is an achievement. Everything from markers and pens to 2019 desk calendars. And right now, a 12-pack of Sharpie markers and an 8-pack of Expo dry erase markers are only $4.99 each. At Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. Ends one nineteen nineteen in store only.